This is Southern New Hampshire's home for the Boston Red Sox on ESPN New Hampshire Radio, WGAM Manchester, WGHM Nashua. They cold and Sunday And it's been the ruin of many people And God, I know I'm one Oh, Extended shotgun snap. Cox is right on. Throws in the end zone. It's caught. A chest high grab made by Sterling Shepard on the goal line with the foot in the end zone on a crossing pattern, and the Giants have scored in a three-yard touchdown pass. There's the snap. Manny Cox is right on. Moves up in the pocket. There's a pass. Leaping back to the two-hand home and catch touchdown. Caught by Beckham. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, Justin Sullivan, working the boards. Justin just alerted me that when putting together clips every day for the for the show here and our opening intros there, that he does such a great job on. When we, we involve the Celtics, and see, this this is what's become a major issue with me and coverage of sports locally. That it is very difficult for him to find opposing clips or anything that would make the home team look negative. And this is specifically with the NBA right now. This is, the NBA. This is an NBA problem. This is my own personal beef with the NBA. And Celtics.com and, and if you go to the Pelicans website, you're unable to find I was looking everywhere to find that, that, that last play. I looked, literally searched on YouTube, Boston Celtics, New Orleans, New Orleans okay. Pelicans, last play. Couldn't find it anywhere. Went on Celtics.com. First of all, Celtics.com doesn't even have highlights. Well, they'll, they'll never, yeah, if they they're, lose, they're not going to have but highlights. But even just like, just positive plays in general, yeah. they weren't there. CSNNE.com. Okay, I get some I get some clips. I get that the Isaiah clips. Nothing on the last play. Nothing on any of the stuff going in there. Not even the, the shot they took to go ahead and give them a chance. Nothing. Okay. And it's an it's an NBA. And then I game. accidentally stumbled upon the last yeah, play I just, here. When I you just, just found you him see here. that, yeah, yeah. That, but like, that, but I mean, it's yeah, I have to search. This for happens it. Like, a lot with happen. the Celt- This happens a lot with the Celtics. Yeah. And we we know that their color man is is <laughs> by far the biggest homer to ever exist in, in yeah. the history. Just of, a little bit uh, commentating. Uh, I I think worse than Jack Edwards, um, but and that's not knocking them. I mean, they're doing their job. I get it. But, you know, 
you're not supposed to treat it like Russian radio or Russian TV. Where well, see, I'm looking at God this. forgive you say anything yeah. bad about the the whole team. But or, or or it's or it's all packaged together with someone commentating on every clip of the game. Yeah. So I yeah. can't get the I can't yeah. get the specific. Just the play. It yeah. just doesn't exist. And he knew what I was doing there, and I, I hope the listeners know that we try to we try to tailor the music to the topic or the guest. Especially and obviously night. the Celtics went into the house of the rising sun, that being New <laughs> Orleans. And uh and yeah, they lost by one point, but they shouldn't have been in that position anyways against a team that honestly I think Duke University could be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just about yeah. I mean, yeah, they've got Davis, but that and that's that's about it. That's literally it. That's it. You know, Solomon Hill. That's that's really you put three guys on him. You know, if you're Duke. Yeah, exactly. They 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 there was no reason for them to go into that game last night and lay an egg, and they had a chance to win it at the end. It was the the turnovers at the end that just absolutely and, and blew me away. And they're past the point where they can point at injuries. They can point at uh, forming cohesiveness and, and chemistry, and, and and you know it's early in this. No, you know what? You're in the season now. We're in. Like th- this is this is the regular season now. You just went in, and I don't care if you had half your starting lineup missing. You beat the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> it's the Pelicans. You just do, for the for the sole sake of their name. It's the Pelicans. You should beat the Pelicans. Yeah, <laughs> that's horrid. I mean, what what do you, if you play for the Pelicans and you're out in the road? Let's say you're in New York City. Yeah. You know, you play in the Knicks, whatever, and you're at MSG, and then you go out to the club later, and you. You're going in the, the champagne room and everything, <laughs> and they send some ladies over for you, and they're like, oh, who do you play for? Uh, the uh, Pelicans. Pelicans. <laughs> uh, New Orleans. Yeah, Pelicans. Just don't say the name. Yeah, just don't, just don't. New Orleans. You're an NBA player. That's it. I play for New Orleans. <laughs> but, yeah, but what, what, what team? New Orleans. Yeah, it's a cool city. You want to come down and visit? <laughs> don't, do not look at the name, but, I mean— what made them call the team the Pelicans? They actually did a – it's funny. They did a fan vote. That was fan voted. They When they decided to – they were originally the Hornets. And way back, Charlotte Hornets. Did they limit the age group uh, age two to seven? <laughs> the, the, the options were – I'll find them in the break, the options on it. But it was, they ended up with the Pelicans. That's what the fans chose as their name. Well, I guess, you know, Utah obviously stole the obvious name for me being the Jazz. Yes, yeah. That's uh, absolutely – that should be – there's no question that that's what the name should be. I mean – there's so much more you could do, though. <laughs> I'll have to end the no, break. I'll I don't want to sidetrack them. here, but there's some. Maybe we'll, we'll dedicate a whole topic to that today. <laughs> what the New Orleans Pelicans could have been named, uh, but anyhow, the Celtics are completely underachieving right now. Uh, I, I don't see enough heart from the get-go. Yeah, yeah, they showed it and they hung around and they and they they made it a game. But at the same time, why are you in? Wait a minute, are you kidding me? So not only are they Pelicans, I'm looking at this right now, and I just noticed what their arena's called. Yeah, the Smoothie King? <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> what a combo. The New Orleans Pelicans <laughs> play in the Smoothie King Center. Yeah. Everything's going right in New Orleans right now. No, seriously. Was the age group that like <laughs> took the survey, no. were they like 10 I, years By the way, and under? at this point, too, I've never heard of the Smoothie King. Who is the Smoothie King? What is the Smoothie King? Is that like a, a smoothie like chain? Like, I've never heard of it, you know? <laughs> like, what, like, what is this? Like, I've never heard. Like, Orange Julius? Is that like the equivalent of? I don't know. The Smoothie King Center. That's good. It used to be New Orleans Arena. Leave it oh, there. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> what is going on down in New Orleans? What is going on in New Orleans? What is going on in the Celtics? Uh, everything. Anyhow, a uh, a dismal performance. Yes, only a one point loss, but in my eyes, and I'm sure Sean Sandel will agree with me Brutal. as he joins us later in the show uh, to talk some Celtics and NBA uh, at 4:45. This this team is just they're they're not there mentally right now. They're they're just they're lost. And you know we've gone over this before. They might have read their clippings too much, but there's something else missing right now. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but they need to get it together. And they're coming in to TD Garden tomorrow. They're back home. They'll be playing the Dallas Mavericks at home. So uh, we'll get Sean Sendell's uh, take on what is ailing the Boston Celtics. And also, our 10-year-olds running the asylum in New Orleans <laughs> uh, when it comes to naming rights of a team and the arena. Uh, we got lots more to talk about, though. Uh, I don't know. What did you think of last night's Monday Night Football game? Did you watch any of it? I watched a little bit. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't everything. We were talking about high-scoring, high-flying, all, uh, yeah, and it was the, not that. The over was not good. No, yeah. it, didn't, it didn't exactly treat anybody yeah. well. No, but I, it was okay. 
It was okay. It was. I didn't think it was great, especially after the weekend we had. We talked about it yesterday all day. How my, great my the games is, were. You know why? Why can the NFL flex Sunday and not Monday, but not Monday, or just flex all of them? Because Thursday, I mean, I, figure it know, out. I'm you know? showing my age here, but when I was growing up, man, I mean, Monday night football is Monday was, night oh, football. That, that, it's the that main event. Deal. Yeah, you're on Monday night football. It means you've made it. Yeah, you know. That's that's the big one right there. Monday Night Football. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. You know, before they put John Gruden on the show. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that that was the game. And now it seems like it's it's going the way of Thursday Night Football. It's just, it, last it's night lost was, its oomph. Like, like that 21 to 20 on a Monday Night Football game, like that's just, yeah. And, like, I don't mind if it was like if it's like a defensive struggle, but I just think it was Well, it's not even played. two teams. Like, it's like, yeah. you know, it's not like this divisional yeah, battle on the line here. There's, there's standings no, there's on no, the line. There was there's no, 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 there's no rivalry. Yeah, there's exactly. no hatred there. There's nothing. It's just, I don't know. And man, the the Bengals are back to being the Bungles. <laughs> yeah, yep. At least now they're stinking in the regular season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they're not fooling everybody. Exactly. They're, not they're just like, hey, we game. stink. That's it. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's not. We're not going to create this illusion for you that we're Super we're Bowl a playoff contender. team. We're, we're got a yeah. chance here. We're not going to let we the got Patriots, Andy Dalton. We got a chance. Yeah, we're not going to let the Patriots uh, slap it in our face that we, we're a really bad team, like they've done now for a few years. Uh, but we we're just bad. We we are the Cincinnati Bungles, <laughs> and we're just heading in the wrong direction. And somehow, Marvin Lewis will keep his job. <laughs> of course, that's just that's just how it goes. Uh, but anyhow, we will. Uh, We'll discuss a little of that game. I don't think it's worth much. We don't, yeah, we don't need to go into with it Eric Edholm, who's going to lead. I'm glad to have him on again. I've shut down Connor on yahoosports.com. Eric is a uh, Massachusetts native, lives out in Chicago now, but he has definitely got his mass roots, keeps tabs on the Patriots, as you probably have to do anyhow covering the NFL. But, I mean, he, he definitely has his roots there, and so he'll be able to talk a lot of Patriots with us. We'll talk to him also about Jared Goff. Uh, getting the nod has started finally for the L.A. Rams. I'm pretty psyched about this. Took way too long. Just yeah. So. I was a big fan watching him when he was at Cal. Uh, I, I think he's going to be great. I think that the Rams obviously being a uh, new slash old franchise in L.A. there, I, I, I think it's going to create a lot of excitement uh, for the game and for the team there in L.A. So that's a big topic as well. And then we'll bounce around the NFL and get his take on some of the uh, bigger stories around the league. We're supposed to have Mick Collagio on yesterday. New Bedford Standard Times does a great job. He's been covering the Bruins since the early 80s. Uh, we will talk to him today. He has gotten a new phone, and we will call him and uh, get his take on the Bruins thus far, who are on a uh, pretty successful road trip thus far. Uh, they went into Arizona, 1-2-1. They go into... Colorado, 2 nothing shutout, and now they have three days off, and they are off to Minnesota to take on the Wild, who, if you recall, took care of them in TD Garden. Yeah. Wild are one of these teams, man. They're a good road team, really good road team, but they do seem to have a lot of problems lately, which is ironic, uh, at home. Uh I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just they 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 follow their. A lot of teams have this problem. The Bruins being one. I would of them. say the Bruins very much the well, same, they, same thing. They adhere to their system better when they're yes. in the road environment. I don't, I don't know game. what it is. Yeah, they keep. I mean, that's it's, that's a natural tendency for sure. But the good teams are able to do it on home ice as well. Uh, but we'll talk to uh, Mick about the Wild and the Bruins coming up. Uh, I want to get into that free agent goalie thing we were discussing here, yeah. and also we'll talk a little bit about the. Uh, the reignited Dougie Hamilton rumors. These aren't new, as I was saying. Uh, we were hearing, Joe Haggerty and I were hearing this, and I, I can't say who my source is, uh, of course, but yeah. I, I will just tell you that it's directly from Calgary management that uh, they were entertaining, not shopping. Big difference, so don't, don't misquote me here. This isn't Twitter. You can't, you can't change my words. Even though it's documented there, I don't know how that happens all the time, but uh, this is recording, and we will have Justin send it out if you decide to change my <laughs> we'll words. T- it's gonna, it'll be tweeted out. You'll hear They it. were entertaining leading into the draft, and at the draft, offers for Dougie Hamilton. That is the Calgary Flames, former Bruins defenseman, now with Calgary. Of course, the Bruins traded him there at the 2015 draft. 
when they basically cleaned house, and they also traded Milan Lucic all on draft day there, or leading into the draft. So Dougie Hamilton, I I won't say he's on the block, but he's available for the right price. As you know, and here's the thing that bugs me. This really gets onto my nerves and my skin here. Any player, Sully, in any sport is available for the right price. For the right price, absolutely. If Bobby Orr was traded, if Wayne Gretzky was traded, I mean, we can go down the list, okay? Herschel Walker. There's plenty of blockbusters. Anyone can be traded for the right price. And in a climate like the NHL salary cap, where so many teams are handcuffed by the cap, and so many teams are yet to figure out what Stan Bowman has done to manage the cap and successfully uh, contend every single season under this cap that was instituted after the 2004-2005 lockout, there are going to be big names moved. It's just, it's just the nature of the sport now. So please don't look at me like I'm the alien because you're the <laughs> alien if you don't think that Dougie Hamilton can be traded because he was traded two years ago. Who cares? Especially if they don't like him. Especially if they have problems with him. Like, yeah. They can, he could be moving You heard so what fast. I said in the crossover there. His parents called management. <laughs> Are you kidding me? His parents called management to complain about playing time. Yeah, Dougie needs more time. Dougie needs to play more. What are you kidding me? <laughs> Pee-wee hockey. Oh, he's unreal. And you know, I got in trouble. Yeah. With the, the Bruins. Well, I didn't get in trouble, but he, he got mad at the Bruins PR and asked them to relay to me that he didn't appreciate some tweets I made about him when he was here because he would never talk when he screwed up on the ice. He'd only talk when he scored. Of course. So I said, why don't you face the music sometimes? Talk about the negatives. Let's talk about the negative stuff. Yeah. Come on now. And so his agent called me and he said, he's just a kid and you should lay off him. He's just a kid. He's a pro. He's just a kid. Yeah. I'm sorry. This isn't college. This isn't high school. He's not playing for Bedford or Nashua North. He's playing for the freaking Bruins. And you know what? <laughs> I'm sure some of those kids would have thicker skin than him. I mean, when you're making that much money, you need to grow some skin. That's, that's the bottom line. I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just the way, it's the world we live in. And it's my job to critique your game. I'm not supposed to sit here and rah, rah, rah for you and then turn a blind eye like we were just discussing, like the Celtics and the NBA do uh, when things go wrong. Uh, it's just, that's not how it works. But we will talk about that with Mick Collagio as well. We got Sean Sandell, like I said, uh, Eric Edholm, and of course, coming right up, we're going to talk some hockey. We got a lot of hockey this hour. Coach Dick Umilly will join us from UNH to discuss the status of the Wildcats season thus far. And then we'll continue that college hockey talk with our man Bob Snow, longtime college hockey writer for NHL.com. So we got a jam-packed show here as we move along here in the stretch run on a rainy Tuesday. I told you to treasure that weather yesterday. Was I not right? You did. You told us. Supposed to get nice again tomorrow, but it's going to be back to Today is a little little chilly. wet. Just a little bit. Oh, I, I just got an email, Justin. I, I got a rough ride, I think, ahead going back to Arlington. I got an email uh, from the Weather Channel. Uh, Suffolk County is under uh, severe thunderstorm and rain alert. Wow. Strong winds, heavy downpours, flooding expected. The apocalypse, basically. And, it, and it's basically supposed to happen between 6 and 7, right Perfect. when I drive home. <laughs> Perfect timing. Well, maybe I'll just have to go over to Boston Billiards. Oh, wait. That's right. We're going to be there Friday. Going there. Yeah. I am going there Friday. We will be at Boston Billiards Club in Nashville for our show live. 55 Northeastern Boulevard here in Nashua. They just opened up a brand new casino section there. They have all the games you can imagine. Awesome. Not just slots, everything. I mean, it, it, it's... It's awesome, and it all goes to charity. We're going to be broadcasting live from there. And also, I urge you to check out Bruins games there because uh, Coors Light, who is sponsoring this event on Friday, uh, is offering $3 drafts for all Bruins games over at Boston Billiards. So looking forward to that. We'll be on the road again. And then I'm getting word from our man Pete Terry, and when I have all the details, I will divulge them, 
But it looks like we're going to be on the road every Thursday in December. That's so, pretty good. Uh, should be fun. I like Moving going on the road. Moving show. I like going on the road, man. The I had a blast show. when we had Arena. Oh, awesome. Yeah. You know? Had a good time at the Tilted Kilt. There's a lot of places around Even though the ladies just... weren't wearing their kilts. <laughs> a little disappointed there. Yeah. But uh, we are on the road Friday. Boston Billiards. We'll have more details as the show goes on today and throughout the week. So stay with us here. The Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire will be back. For all the breaking news, check out the list of podcasts, blogs, and everything sports. McNichols shot block, gets it again, forehand shot, score! Second power play goal of the game for Michael McNichols. And the Cats are within one, it's 3-2. to two. He'll leave it for Kelleher at center right. Comes Kelleher, shorthand into the zone, forehand shot wide. The right wing boards off to Cleveland, across the way. Kelleher in the circle. Here's a pass to Salvaggio. He scores. Salvaggio tucks it in the near post. We're tied 3-3 with 48 seconds left, and that will do it. Merrimack and UNH play to a 3-3 tie in a Sunday afternoon thriller here at the Whittemore Center. And welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, Justin Sullivan, working the boards, doing a great job as always. And as we said, uh, as we welcome him on every week at this time on a Tuesday, joining me right now, head coach of the UNH Wildcats hockey team, Dick Umilly. Dick, how are you, my friend? I'm uh, doing okay, Jimmy. Uh, hopefully you're doing well. I missed you last week. Uh... Well, it's good to uh, be talking to you this week. Yeah, the feeling's mutual, and uh, yeah, it was. It, it felt good to be back behind the mic when I got home on Thursday, and uh, I'm glad to be here today. And uh, coach, uh, you you won one, you lost one on the week, or you won one, you tied one on the weekend. Um, oh, you t- wait, I'll say that one more time. You tied and you tied, and then you lost in overtime, right? Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at the last uh, games before that. Um, but still, you got to be happy right now with the team's resilience. Even though you didn't come away with a win, it, it appears that the team does not give up to that final horn, and that's been something you've been seeing as the season goes on, huh? Well, yeah, there's a, there's a never quit in the team for sure. There's a, a lot of character in the team, and over the weekend, you know, we really gave it away on uh, Saturday night against Arizona, uh, coming out in the third period, getting a couple of quick goals to, to pull ahead by two. Uh, and then they tied us up with just over a minute, uh, and then it went into overtime and an unfortunate, uh, you know, face-off play that resulted in uh, them winning it in overtime. And then we battled back Sunday afternoon, falling behind three to one over Merrimack. Had to pull our goalie to tie it up. And at the end of the day, we got an important point uh, in Hockey East play, which uh, who knows, maybe it'll it'll be an important point at the end of the season. And you end up uh, going one zero and one against uh, Merrimack this uh, season because you're done with them for the rest of the season. That's not bad against a team that I think a lot of people were looking at as a, a team that's going to contend this year. And but let's go to this Arizona State game first. Yep. Uh, you know, you you lose uh, Blackburn right there towards the end of the game, right before the winning goal, and he's injured on the faceoff there. But play continues. What happened there? Well, the, the, the rule says if uh, they have possession that they don't blow the whistle. Uh, Blackburn went down. He's, uh, he's He was out of the lineup, obviously, on Sunday. He's still out of the lineup. Right now it's a, a sprained knee, uh, but they don't blow the whistle. Um, and it just so happened his guy was sitting right in the slot who ultimately uh, took the shot that, uh, that resulted in them scoring uh, the goal. So uh, it was unfortunate, but... Uh, we should not have been in that position to begin with. Uh, we should have finished the game without them tying it up uh, late in the in the uh, in the game. Is that something that they may look into changing, or is that basically here to stay that they wouldn't blow the whistle there? No, I, I think uh, that's probably something that's going to stay. And you know, it, it was unfortunate the way it happened, but uh, you know that's the rule that's been that way for a while, and I, I don't see that changing. Okay, but you did say he's still injured right now. Is there a chance he can play? Uh, against UMass on Friday night. Well, you know, we'll find out tomorrow. It'll be uh, 
Thursday. We'll find out he'll have to skate tomorrow, and if he can go tomorrow, there's a chance that he'll play Friday night. But, uh, you know, we're without Nat Nazarian and now uh, Blackburn, so we lost a couple of sentiment in our lineup, and the other guy stepped in and did a pretty good job for us and uh, really battled hard to get us that point. And I was going to mention that. So, you know, losing Blackburn obviously breaks up uh, the freshman line uh, that he centered between Grazo and Van Riemsdyk. And senior Jamie Hill joined that line. Uh, He played very well from what I'm told. And and what did you think of his energy out there? No, he's he's always had – Jamie's got a lot of energy. He plays hard all the time. And, uh, you know, he filled in an important role for us. Uh, We put uh, Grasso in the middle. Grasso had played – when he played juniors, uh, and we put Jamie up in the right wing and he, to keep some speed in that line, and uh, Jamie did a, a, a great job for us. Another guy that had a great game uh, against Merrimack on Sunday afternoon was Michael McNichols. He scored two goals. Uh, it's a career high for him in a game. Uh, talk about his improvement thus far this season. Well, he's a very talented uh, handling the puck. He's got a great shot, good release, and uh, he, he's a very good uh, stick handler. Uh, he can create a lot of plays, uh, and he's just getting—you know—he's getting stronger. Just being his junior year, he's a, you know hes playing on our first line center for us. He's an important guy on the power play, and uh, he put that one away. Keller gave him a, a great pass uh, uh, when we uh, on the power play to, to put that one away, and then Keller made a great play to Salvaggio for the for the tying goal uh, when we pulled the goalie. Now, you guys, as I said, you're going to be hosting UMass on Friday night. Uh, you've already beat them once. You get a chance to take the season series. Uh, go back to that game where you already played them earlier in the season. I believe that was your first Hockey East game of the year, right? Yeah, that was our first game uh, out at uh, in Amherst. Uh, uh-huh. We had a good night on the power play, a couple of power play goals, and jumped out on them um, You know, pretty good. Uh, you know, and We had a good overall 60-minute hockey game against them at UMass, which is always the a tough place to play, uh, but they're just coming off a three to one uh, win at Merrimack uh, on this past Friday night. So uh, they've made an improvement. They've got a new coach, and uh, it's just another important hockey East game. Every point in hockey East is going to be uh, real important to me. Yeah, for sure. And as I was just saying to to Sully here, my producer off the air, it's it's crazy to think you're already done with Merrimack. Uh, it's like we were talked about early in the season. It's just so quick with these conference games. It seems like you know. They're all gone by the time the second half rolls around. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. We used to play each other three times, but with the addition of Notre Dame, you know, we went to uh, you know a different format, uh, playing everybody twice, in- increasing the number of non-league games, and and that's happened with some of the the teams uh, that you play within your league. You see them early in the season, and, and and you're down with them for the rest of the season, which is unfortunate because when we played three. You would always play uh, at least one of them the second half or the first half, uh, so that wouldn't be the case. So that's, st- that's the way the scheduling goes. Is there still there's still plenty of talk? I'm hearing that Notre Dame might move to the uh, the Big Ten, right? Oh, they're, they're definitely going. They've oh, it's definitely okay. They're leaving at the end of this year. So when that they're happens, joining the Big Ten. You look at the conferences right now, and this is something we're going to bring up with Bob Snow in the next segment. He wanted to discuss, but I'm just want to get your take, maybe. Um, how will that sort of have an effect on who the best conference is and the competition across college hockey? Um, is that going to make the Big Ten stronger than, than say, another conference, or do they move up the rankings sort of there? Uh, it'll make it a, it'll make it stronger just because Notre Dame's a good program and the Big Ten schools are, are all pretty good, but uh, it's not going to be any better than hockey East from top to bottom. Uh, you know, for 11 teams, you know, we're talking the Big Ten's only going to be a six-team uh, conference. We're talking 11 here in Hockey East, and anybody can beat anyone uh, on a given night. And uh, they've, they've proven to be probably one of the, the best leagues from top to bottom in the country. Yeah, they, they, the Hockey East still, I mean, even since I've been a kid, it's always been one of the best yeah. in the country. Um, when you look around, you say you brought, uh, obviously you had Arizona State here. I'm just wondering when... You know, you got a team like Arizona State, who is obviously new to college hockey. There, uh, have you guys played out there, and what was it like? If so, no, we haven't gone out there. Uh, we're hopefully, going to be going out there not next year, the following year, uh, but we'll return the, the trip uh, going out there in a couple of years. But they, they played BC. They played BC yesterday. Um, you know, their program. They're they're a pretty good team. They 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 got some older guys, and um, you know, the, the coach was. Uh, 
a long time, uh, you know, coach in, in for the club team, and uh, he's done a terrific job. Uh, the recruiting's going well at Arizona State. It's a big time school, and uh, they're putting a, a lot into their program. Yeah, I mean, I was just because I was just reading about the um, Coyotes are going to build an yeah. arena right by there. And, you know, obviously the Coyotes have had their problems in Arizona. There's always been talk of relocation. So I was just wondering how a, pro, a college hockey program would do in that area. But we shall see, I guess. And that's, I mean, that's good to hear that they're off to a good start recruiting. Yeah, they've done a good job. And I think they're involved with uh, the Coyotes as far as uh, the rinks being built. They're going to build a 4,000-seat arena right in uh, Tempe, right near yeah. there. So. Yeah, um, and I think it's in conjunction with the Coyotes, so that's a good thing. Well, it'll be fun to go out to. Hopefully, you can get some golfing while you uh, while you're out there. Hey, <laughs> sounds good. All right, well, listen, be easy on my Minutemen this Friday. I hope you win, but be easy on them, and uh, we will talk to you next week, Coach. All right. All right, sounds good, Jimmy. Thanks. All right, that's Coach Dick Humilly of UNH Wildcats Hockey joining us here on the Stretch Run. Uh, and yeah, I'm interested, Sully, just to see that. I mean, they like he said, they're going to be splitting the arena yeah. there. Man, it, it just seems like it never picked up. Yeah, yeah. You know, they had Roenick there for a bit. They had some good years. Hey, they made the conference finals in 2012. But now you put college hockey there, too. I, I just, I don't know. Does I, that mean they're not moving? Like, that? that's what I'm trying I, to figure out. I, I guess so. I, I would assume just, that means they're not on the move. I'm just surprised to see a, a D1 college hockey program try to make it there now. Yeah. You know, yeah. May, maybe there's a market that we just don't hear about enough there. Maybe yeah. it's not reported enough nationally. Um, because it, it, Coach Humilia is saying right there, like, you know, hey, they're, they're doing all right. They're recruiting, yeah. and they came in here and beat us. You know, yeah. so, I mean, good for them. We'll see there's how that works. There's something we, we don't know. There's something yeah. we don't know. Exactly. Well, listen, we're going to talk about that and all things college hockey with Bob Snow, longtime NHL.com college hockey writer, here on the Stretch Run in ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back. You're listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy, right here on ESPN New Hampshire. Every big sports moment can be heard right here on ESPN New Hampshire. Classic a shot, down in front, picked up by Crosby, lobbed down the ice, and the Pittsburgh Penguins have won the Stanley Cup. Flips to Jacobs, three for the win, it's good! Steps back, puts up a three, won't go, final seconds, it's over, it's over! Cleveland is a city of champions, the Cavaliers are NBA champions! We've got it all here, this is ESPN New Hampshire. Hi, my name is Jen Kaludi. My husband Sal and I are the owners of Embroid Me in Nashua and Embroid Me of Bedford in New Hampshire. We help companies and organizations promote themselves through embroidered apparel, screen printed shirts, promotional products, personalized gifts, and much more. I invite you to come visit our showrooms, conveniently located at 345 Amherst Street in Nashua and our Bedford showroom at 410 South River Road. You can also visit our websites at embroidme-nashua.com or embroidme-bedford.com. My team and I look forward to helping you promote your business. Embroid Me, your promotional marketing partner. In southern New Hampshire, there's only one choice when it comes to the best in orthopedic care. New Hampshire Orthopedic Center has been providing award-winning treatment for all orthopedic conditions for over 40 years. Chances are one of our physicians has helped someone you know get back in motion. Voted best orthopedic office by union leader three years running. Voted top doctors 30 times by peers in New Hampshire Magazine. Tell your primary care physician you'd like to see a specialist at New Hampshire Orthopedic Center. We keep bodies in motion. Visit NHOC.com for more information. Hey everyone, it's ESPN New Hampshire's Jimmy Murphy. Join me this Friday afternoon, 3 to 6 p.m. as we take the Stretch Run Radio Show on the road to Boston Billiard Club and Casino in Nashua. Boston Billiard Club and Casino's new charitable gaming options offer poker tables, roulette, blackjack, Mississippi stud, let it ride, and so much more. You can win real money and help support local charities. Boston Billiard Club and Casino in Nashua is also a great place to play pool and watch sports with dozens of tables and TVs in every direction. Plus, they have $3 cords-like drafts during all Bruins games. So again, join me this Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. at Boston Billiard Club and Casino in Nashua, 55 Northeastern Boulevard, as we bring the Stretch Run on the road. Hey Chelsea, guess what? I found out my friend at school is going to be moving into a new house. Oh really? That's cool. Where is she moving to? They don't know yet. They're still looking. Do you think they'll ever be able to find a house? Oh sure. Especially if they go to see Daddy at Pinnacle Mortgage. Right, Isabel? That's right, Chelsea. They'll get low rates, great service, and many options to choose from. You see, Pinnacle Mortgage offers FHA, VA, USDA, conventional, and New Hampshire Housing First-Time Buyers Programs. 
right, Owen? That's right. So, Maddie, you should tell your friend's parents to go see Dad and the staff at Pinnacle Mortgage. Pinnacle Mortgage. Call 603-518-7900. Pinnacle Mortgage. 65 Market Street, Manchester. And online at PinnacleMTGCorp.com. Pinnacle Mortgage. NMLS number 132 Licensed by the New Hampshire Banking Department. Connecticut Mortgage Broker License Number MB 132 Main Loan Broker License Number 132 Kurt Stranson. NMLS number 22202. Equal housing opportunity. PinnacleMTGCorp.com. We all have our mountains, the challenges that push us further. At Coors Light, our mountain is brewing the world's most refreshing beer. That's why all of our breweries cold lager to give Coors Light its signature crisp taste. It's why we cold filter to ensure brilliance and clarity. And it's why we package cold to seal in Coors Light's refreshing flavor. Because we believe every climb deserves a refreshing finish. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Great beer, great responsibility. Tune in on Ticket Tuesday here on ESPN New Hampshire and stop paying for tickets. Cheeseburgers in paradise! Try to admit my carnivorous habit Made it nearly 70 days Losing weight without speed eating sunflower seeds And welcome back to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, Justin Sullivan, working the boards. Dreary, blah day out here in Nashville, New Hampshire today. And I'm just craving a cheeseburger in paradise. I don't know. Maybe our next guest wants to join me. We'll just get on a plane, head down to the tropics, and uh, mow down some burgers. Bob, what do you think? Murph, if you jump on the plane, I'm already in the tropics. I'm in Florida heading back to Boston tomorrow, so I'm already here, buddy. I'm waiting for you. Oh, nice. Uh, whereabouts in Florida? Well, Lauderdale. I'm in the Panthers game the other night and catch up with a few NHL details down here and Get my winter car in Florida for winter and start doing my little two and fro match routines for the winter. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. Uh, Bob, we just had uh, UNH coach Dickie Million, and he was, uh, you know, we talked at the end of the segment. I was just asking him uh, about the uh, Arizona State. Obviously, was there playing UNH. Uh, they beat UNH, but I was asking him just about the news that. Uh, them and the uh, Arizona Coyotes will be uh, building a new arena together in Tempe. And uh, it's kind of strange to hear because uh, the, the Coyotes have been in so many rumors about being relocated. And, and of course, uh, you know, you just look at the market there and you wonder how could a D1 hockey program ever survive? But it looks like they've got enough faith to do it that they're going to uh, invest in a big time arena there. Uh, what's your take on that story? Yeah, well, you you well know, Murph, that any of these teams that usually start out as club teams, that somehow the university internal mechanism of, of decision-making within the university makes a decision to go big-time in a particular sport. So for Arizona State to go big-time in hockey is a big-time story because of its location in the Southwest. But it obviously knows the draw of college hockey. It obviously knows that the ultimate placement of Arizona State is they're going to either be in the uh, the National Collegiate Hockey Conference or the Western Collegiate Hockey Conference, I would think, gives them a draw uh, geographically for some of the better programs in the country. So they, these guys know what they're doing, and these women know what they're doing. They make decisions about going big time to Division One, But this is the year that Arizona State plays the independent schedule, so uh, they're showing that they can play with the big guys already. Yeah, and obviously they wouldn't put all this money in this arena if they didn't think it was going to be successful. So uh, good on them. Hopefully they uh, they make it out there. But uh, let's talk about different conferences uh, right now, Bob. And, you know, there's a debate sometimes about what the best conference is. We, we also mentioned with uh, Coach Humili uh, that you know Notre Dame obviously is leaving for the Big Ten. Um, but he still believes... And I, I could tell in his voice it wasn't just him being a homer. He still believes that the Hockey East is right there at the top still and always will be uh, with the competition they have and the, the number of kids that they continue uh, to crank out into the NHL draft. Uh, what other conferences, though, challenge them for that title? Well, that's a great, 
that's a great question, Murph. We could probably take a whole show and have people calling in about that. I think that coming from the East, as, as you and I both are, we tend to be a bit partial more to hockey East. But I did a little, did a little homework off of last weekend, last week's show when you, you guys were talking about the strength of conferences. And since 1997, basically, the last 20 pros and fours, um, 31 of the 40 teams came from either Hockey East well, what are currently teams of what's called the National Collegiate Hockey Conference. I think a lot of East Coast folks may not have caught up with the major change the last couple of years, the the uh, diminution, the elimination, if you will, of the CCHA. That was the old conference with the Michigan and Michigan States was, was abandoned when the Big Ten came into play. Then, of course, when that happened, um, the Western folks saw potentially the WCHA, which was always the hockey powerhouse, uh, much, much more than Hockey East over the history of college hockey, uh, they completely realigned themselves and created a new conference called the National Collegiate Hockey Conference. And, of course, that group has, you know, Miami and and um, North Dakota and, and Colorado College and Denver and all those big teams in the West. But I think, you know, I did some homework. In the last nine, nine of the last 20 years, the national champion came from the West and seven came from the East, but 31 of those 40 teams came from either Hockey East or those Western conferences. So I, I think the question comes down to, I think if you were to, to look at this in a finite way, Murph, I did some thinking about this. I think if you look at the, I hate people the word bottom, but if you look at the lower tier of conferences, I guess it comes down to a question of, do you think, do you think the teams like Penn State and Ohio State compete equally with teams like Merrimack and Connecticut and Hockey East from the Big Ten or teams like Western Michigan Colorado College and Miami uh, against bottom teams from Hockey East. I think I think the top end of the league is pretty even. I think it's when you get to the lower tier that Hockey East might lose some steam when it comes to the National Collegiate Hockey Conference and the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It just, I think when you look at it, though, Bob, the Hockey East and, like you said, those Western Conferences, they have such established rivalries. They have such established tradition and yes, some of the schools that were in there are now going to be in that new conference. But at the same time, I, I don't know. There's something to be said about tradition, and I, I, I feel like it will win out in the end. Well, you're probably right. But again, we tend to take a bit. We have to be you and I. We agree 99 percent of the time. This might be the one percent where we have a little disagreement. Um, you and I did a lot of college hockey work over the years, and I've seen these Western conference teams, these new Big Ten with Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and especially the National Collegiate Conference with Duluth and Denver and Nebraska, Omaha, which is a significantly up-and-coming program. Oh, yeah. Uh, Western Michigan, St. Cloud, North Dakota. I mean, these are, these are powerhouses. I'm not sure if we were to set up the ideal tournament, you know, we had a round-robin play mm-hmm. among these National Collegiate teams, a couple of the Big Ten teams and a couple of the Big Hockey East teams. I don't know. I'd have a tough time not putting a few bucks on that new National Collegiate Hockey Conference yeah. coming out on top if I had to be impartial. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just being a homer here, Bob. <laughs> um, Bob, you look right now. I, I noticed, too, I just uh, was looking at the polls, uh, by the way, uh, before we get on to our next topic, that Denver has taken over at number one. Uh, but amazingly, there sits Boston College at number three. And it's it's like no matter how many obstacles get in the way of the Eagles or Jerry York, or the players leaving his program early for juniors or for the pros, there they are every week. It seems like they're still they're still contending for a national championship. It's amazing. Well, you and I have talked about BC for a long time, Murph, and we both know that um, you know Jack Parker always had a great line about Jerry York and the Eagles. Uh, BU was always the top dog in, in the Boston area, and of course the last. Maybe 15 years overall. Even though you know BU won the national championship in 2009, and BC has picked up I think three national championships in the last six or seven years. And even Jack Parker, you know, to his credit, with regards to his old rival, will tell you that Jerry York still gets the players. So he may lose. He lost a ton of guys this year to the pros. I think I think 12 or 13. That's half his roster. But he doesn't recruit players to play in their junior and senior years. He recruits players to play in their freshman and sophomore years. So once again, the talent that he recruits is is ready for big time Division One play, and he's showing that again. Last week we have to talk about UNH. Great game last week. UNH was down three two BC. They tie up BC three three, but then they lost it. 
I think on a late goal, then an empty netter maybe, but they lost 5-3. Yeah. But the point is that UNH needed a good showing they did, but to get back to your BC point, um, Jack, Jerry York recruits players ready for the big time, and sometimes they need to be a little, they need to be ready a little earlier, but ready they are. Yeah, and is he back now from uh, his eye surgery? I believe so, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, well, hey, listen, even with blinders on, he can still coach. <laughs> hey, Bob, this is something that I think we have disagreed on in the past, and I'm, I'm, I don't know if you've changed your stance, but uh, I understand the safety aspect of it, and, you know, I, I, I think that it was a good idea at first, but now the way the game has gone and what we've seen some college hockey players do when they get to the pro level, uh, I think they need, they need to take the mass off, the full mass in college hockey, because when you have kids doing this, you know, let's say they stay for four years or however long they are in college and they're used to having a mask there. It, yes, it makes them safer, but the other thing is it gives them a sense of invincibility and a sense that their their opponents or their teammates are invincible as well and it tends to lead to some irresponsible stick work at times or not watching your stick and where it goes. What's your thought on this and should they uh, do away with the full mask in college hockey? Yeah, you know, Murph, this, you know, we may we may not be able to cover this one today. We may want to make this a two-parter. I thought about this since you guys were on last week. They get into a long discussion about the half-shield versus the full headgear, you know, at the NCAA level, and I think they wanted to promote that topic into today's show. We may want to even continue it next week. Yeah, no I did problem. A lot of homework. I did a lot of homework the last several days because I did a lot of homework on this back in 2011. I think I should give we should give the listeners a, a very quick 30-second history on this. Okay. The full, the full headgear at the NCAA level came in in the 1970s. Before that, uh, they basically wore just an open-face helmet. Um, they brought in the full-face gear. That, that includes covering your whole head, for those who are listening, uh, in the 70s. And then six years ago, in 2011, every year the NCAA goes to maybe looking at some rules. Uh, Ed McLaughlin was the chair of the rules committee at the time, and they looked at, I'll give you the quote from him, the Division One coach's body... This is in 2011. That suggested the half shield is a potential way to change some of the culture of the game and assimilate our equipment to the NHL standards. The improvements in technology for the, for the half shields has made them more attractive to some of the men's ice hockey championships. They took two years, 2011 and 2012, to study that. And guess what the final decision was about the rules committee? No change. No change. No change. And I think what we should talk about is some of the reasons why there was no change. Jack Parker once said, and I hope I've got, I hope I'm quoting him correctly on this, or at least summarizing his feelings. Jack Parker always thought that the full face mask made the game more dangerous. There was a recklessness that you just alluded to with the security or the false security or the full cover. Exactly. And I think that's where we should maybe talk about the, the concept of why. The NCAA, I don't believe in our lifetime now, will get rid of the full face mask. And I think you and I talked a few weeks ago about them looking at the new focus on the rules of what's helping out the rules of focus or the. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's happening now, if I read this correctly, is that they're trying to find a way to bring the sticks down because they're not going to get rid, get rid of the full face mask. And I've got maybe 15 or 20 quotes in my hand from professional players really good stuff about the culture of the game and how the recklessness of the game when guys have the full face mask and what happens when that full face mask comes off at the NHL level. Yeah. It, it, you end up getting a high stick or you, you get a guy in the eye and you you don't realize it because you've you just been trained to play that way. Yeah, you know something? I'll give you a great quote from Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler played at Minnesota, okay, and um, – he had to obviously take the full – all these guys. I mean, every NCAA player, don't forget there's no fighting at the college level, and we should inform our viewers also that the half shield or the non-full cover is a, is, a, is the mandatory piece of equipment at the junior level in Canada. Yeah, so and it's going to become that playing. way in the NHL too. It's going it's exactly. to get – Exactly. Exactly. So you've got two basic equipment features going on here. South of the border – You've got, you know, the 59 NCAA Division One teams playing with a full headgear. And north of the border, if you will, you've got, you've got everybody playing with a half shield. So the question becomes, what happens to the guys south of the border when they get finally put on their, play their first NHL game or even go to camps and they play in their camps and they take off that full headgear? 
But Blake Wheeler took a stick, took this, took this issue to the next level. He said it makes no sense now <clears throat> that I'm out. Why they wear full cages? You do see more guys coming out of school more careless with the stick. And he basically said, I played enough. Don Moore, I tell you, Don Moore had a great quote. He said, it's very dirty hockey in terms of elbows and sticks because of the face mask. I've played enough. I've seen enough to see that. I'd like to see the stats on concussions. The majority of these guys are student-athletes first, more students than athletes. Um, uh, but the, my, my point here is that I've got a whole ton of quotes. The, uh, Eric Cole had a great quote. He played up a clock. He said, one of the big things we talk about is that the culture of the game changes from the time you take off that face mask to the time you put on a half shield. And you're not about to stick your face in front of a 100-mile-an-hour slap shot without a full face mask on. And you're not about to take that stick to some guy's schnoz, you know, when you've got the half shield on compared to when the face mask yeah. is on. So I, I think there's a whole ton of stuff here. It comes down to, I think, you know, the culture of the game. It comes down to the, the danger of the game. And it comes down to the respect for the game in terms of what happens when you put that full face mask on and when you take it off. Yep, I'd agree with you there for sure. And we, let's continue this next week because I think it's a it's a great debate. And I mean, I, I've seen instances where you know a kid from college hockey comes up. You mentioned fighting there, and you know they don't take that mask off when when it's about to be a fight. There, they're going to get marked as a coward. You know, and they, they, but they they come from a different culture, and so yeah. it's almost like they don't understand the culture that they're stepping into, and and then when you just talk about the heat of battle and, and how fast the sport is, and and just not having it cemented in your head that those masks aren't there anymore, it, it's going to lead to injuries, and we've already seen it happen. So as Blake Wheeler pointed out there, but it's an interesting and I topic. Think we should also, Murph, I mean, make some notes for each other. I think next we should, we should kick off with the legal issue because. Don Moore and Mike Tomasarek will play the Michigan Don Moore and Harvard. They have some great perceptions about the legal piece of the NCAA and why they keep the full they keep the full headgear on, and that's interesting stuff. So maybe we can yeah, kick off that'd be great about, about the legal stuff. That'd be good. Hey, speaking of Mike Tomasarek, where the heck is he now? I don't know. You know something? I try to do a quick Google on him. I didn't have time to catch up with that, but he had a great career with Montreal, Montreal and Toronto, but of course he was a standout of Michigan and. And I uh, had a great NHL career, but he and even Hal Gill, who played down in Providence, they've got some great quotes about how the game is played differently because of the full full head mask in terms of uh, a legal issues. So it's interesting stuff. Yeah, for sure. Listen, Bob, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your trip, and uh, I'll see you around the rinks, buddy. Okay, buddy. Talk to you next week. All right, that's Bob Snow, longtime college hockey writer, joining us here on the Stretch Run on. ESPN New Hampshire in our next segment. We're going to talk some football. We'll uh, we'll still dissect a little more the Patriots-Seahawks game, and we'll look ahead a bit to the 49ers, and we'll bounce around the NFL with various topics as we bring on Eric Edholm of the Shutdown Corner on YahooSports.com. So stay with us. The Stretch Run will be back. Yes, I do. 